Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. We have another great show about Alfred Hitchcock scheduled today. But, as most of you probably know, we're very sad about the recent passing of Roger Ebert. I think he was one of the finest film critics ever published, and also such a great guy. You know, I love to read his movie reviews. They never seem formulaic, and he put so much of himself into everything he wrote. In fact, Roger and his work helped motivate me to become a film critic, and I think there are uh, many other film critics who could uh, say the same thing. I remember that my husband and I had the good fortune to meet Roger several years ago at the Telluride Film Festival, and uh, this particular meeting took place at the screening of a film called The Mystic Masseur, it's about a um, it's a film that was made in India, and the hero's name was Ganesh, played by Asif Manvi, who is now one of the one of the comedians on the on the Daily Show. But in this movie, he played a man who just was had a burning desire to become an author, and so uh, this is what he insisted to his publisher. Put my picture on the cover, and and this was for his first his first book. He just it demanded that his picture be on the book. So after the movie, Larry and I were discussing discussing it with uh, with Roger Ebert, who enjoyed the movie I think almost as much as we did. But I mentioned to him that Larry and I identified with the main character because uh we had just we had spent so much time uh writing our co-writing our romantic memoir and it had just been been published and and uh Roger's eyes got big and he he perked up and he said well then put your picture on the cover just like Ganesh did uh, he he did give us good advice but it was too late because uh the book was already at the publishers and there wasn't anything we could do about the cover but I understand that Roger followed his own advice and made sure his photo was seen on the many terrific books about movies that he wrote. I believe Roger deserved the various honors he received, which include a Pulitzer Prize for film criticism and a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So no doubt about it, Roger Ebert will be missed, and our heartfelt sympathy goes out to his family, friends, and fans. And turning now to Alfred Hitchcock, we decided it was time to take another look at The Master of Suspense. After the release of two new films about him, which are now available on DVD. But before we get started, I'd like to mention that the chat room is open, 
So please feel free to sign up. We really appreciate our chatters and other listeners, of course. And uh, my partner, Nikki Starr, is uh, with us today, too. So you'll be treated well in the chat room. Now, although Hitchcock passed away over 30 years ago this month, well, I believe it was actually 33 years ago this month, his filmmaking genius continues to fascinate us. You'll remember in 2012, Anthony Hopkins played the legendary director in uh, a film titled simply Hitchcock, and this film was about his uh, serious problems while making Psycho. And also last year, The Girl, co-starring Toby Jones as Hitchcock, and Sienna Miller as Tippi Hedren, was shown on HBO. And by the way, I should mention that Bates Motel, which is a prequel to Psycho, is now a popular new series that I'm hooked on, uh, playing on the arts and entertainment uh, channel. Movie fans can't seem to get enough Hitchcock, and I can certainly understand why. Well, let's talk about The Girl first. I have to admit that this TV film really, really shocked me. Toby Jones comes across as a very creepy Hitchcock indeed, almost as frightening as any of the villains in his movies. The theme centers on Hitchcock's obsession with actress Tippi Hedren while they were making The Birds. And believe me, dear listeners, the abuse runs rampant here. There's nothing positive at all about the director-actress relationship that makes it to the screen. Now, some of it might be on the cutting room floor, but nothing in, in the film is shown that's positive between these two. I believe there's some truth to Hitchcock, Hitchcock's obsession with Tippy. But after doing some research on this, I found that there are several people who worked with Hitchcock said, and they said that he was not a sexual predator uh, in the way that he was depicted in The Girl. And even Kim Novak, who starred in Vertigo, which is one of my favorite, well, it is my favorite Alfred Hitchcock film, says that the events depicted in the film um, really aren't true. But hey, why don't we hear from Tippi Hedren herself? After all, she was one of our first guests on Movie Addict Headquarters, and I'd like to play a brief section from that interview where she talks about, well, actually she talks with co-host Jazz Shaw and me about working with Hitchcock. So if I can um, get onto the switchboard and play the right tape, we will now hear Tippi Hedren. Uh, turning to the birds, though. What was it like working with Alfred Hitchcock? Well, he w he was amazing. He was not only my my uh, director; he was my drama coach. Really? So, yes, and The Birds was my first film. Holy so, cow! So I was I was really fortunate in uh, on so many levels that that um, to to have him as a director, and um, uh, and and my acting coach. I mean, that was just phenomenal, and. And he often said that he was he was thrilled that this was my first movie because I had nothing to unlearn. <laughs> so I just tried to be putty in his hands, you know, and and uh, uh, I used the techniques that he he taught me uh, all the time, all the time. Well, how did you happen to get that role, Tiffany? Uh, I had done. I was uh, uh, I was working in New York, 
as a fashion model uh, with Eileen Ford. And, um, you know, it, uh, in the 50s, the commercials became very, very important. And um, so I was doing a lot of them. And uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hitchcock were watching the Today Show, and they saw this commercial that I had done, and it was a story type of thing. It was for a, 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 a pet milk product called Seago. It was a diet drink. Right. And I think I, I weighed all. Of, I think I weighed all of a hundred pounds when I did this <laughs> commercial. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he saw it and decided to find out who the girl was, where she was, and. Um, so um, I just received a surprise phone call one day, asking me to come over to meet with a with a um, uh, an executive at Universal Studios. I had by then moved out to California so that Melanie could oh could have a little bit of independence of just saying I'm going out to play, mommy, you know. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but you got to work with Alfred Hitchcock a couple of times. Uh, what was your favorite project uh, with him? And and oh, I like I like Marnie. I, I like ah. the best. Really? Yes. Why yes, was that? Was a, well, the, you know, The Birds is sort of a chase-type film. And uh, the, the uh, Marnie was such a deep character. My God, she Yes, was absolutely. And that was that was the, the interest for me. Well, that. working with Sean Connery had to have something to do with that, Tippy. Not all bad. <laughs> no, he was and he was just wonderful. We see each other every now and then, um, uh, not often, because he, um, you know, lives. Um, he doesn't live in the United States. Uh, but um, he was really, he was really terrific. And Rod Taylor was terrific. And of course, working with Jessica Tandy was just marvelous. And, and Jessica was Tandy so was was in in the Birds. Yes. Well, did you ever get hurt uh, or have oh, yeah. any problems with the, with the real birds in, oh, yes. in the birds? Yes, I did. Oh no! Seen, oh, you know, off and on during the during the shooting, we would we were hurt, you know, scratched or whatever. But uh, you know, the scene where at the end of the movie where I go up the stairs yeah. and into the into the bedroom upstairs, and all of the birds attack me. Yeah. Well, they told me that I, they were going to because uh, you know, when I read the script, I said. And Mr. Hitchcock, how would we be doing that scene? And he said, "Oh well, we'll use the mechanical birds like we did with the children." And um, so I was perfectly comfortable all about the whole thing, and it was one of the last scenes we did during the shoot. And um, uh, at the at the, the first day, it was a Monday. I was in my dressing room on the set. And uh, the assistant director, Jim Brown, came in and he said, he, he couldn't look at me. He looked at the floor and the walls and the ceiling. And said, <laughs> with you, Jim. And he said, uh, the mechanical birds don't work. We have to use real ones. And out the door he went. Well, oh, I just, I just was stunned. I went out to the set and, you know, this isn't anything they had just planned on. There was a whole cage built around the door that I come in. And there were five boxes, cartons of raven and seagulls and a few pigeons thrown in, uh, prop men with gauntlets up to their shoulders, and which they threw at me for five days. What I don't blame was. you in any way whatsoever, but I, but I do have to say I still have nightmares about that because I was a fairly young child when that movie came out. And, uh -huh. oh, my God, that was frightening. It was frightening. It, it was supposed to be. 
We worked hard to make it that way. Well, you were successful, and do you know what? It was not just frightening while the movie was on. I mean, it, because it sort of uh, led to kind of unending terror with people. My son, who is now grown and has grown children of his own, is still frightened to death of birds. <laughs> Excuse me for laughing, but, you know, <laughs> isn't that great? It is great. I, I hope he gets over it pretty soon. You know? <laughs> I don't think he will. I think he's kind of proud of it now. <laughs> oh, it is. Uh, what a fascinating interview that was, folks. And, uh, well, we can tell that uh, Tippy does ad- admit to the uh, uh, to the abuse that she uh, underwent uh, in making the birds when they when they used the the live birds and she was exposed to this for for five days so that was depicted fairly realistically in uh, in the girl but um, she still uh, is very complimentary isn't she about uh, about Alfred Hitchcock so. Um, I think the the jury's out as far as I'm concerned uh, on this, but uh, uh, the the girl really is uh, not anything compared to to the birds. I have to say say that as a film critic. Now, uh, dear listeners, if you didn't hear the entire interview with Tippy Hedren, uh, just look in the archives for Tippy Hedren speaks out. She talks about uh, a little bit more about working with. Um, Hitchcock and compares working with him to working with Charles Chaplin when Charlie Chaplin when he directed The Countess from Hong Kong. Uh, very interesting section. I, I know you will enjoy the entire interview. She also talks about her her work uh, in uh, animal protection. Very very fascinating interview. So moving to the second film about Hitchcock, it was titled simply Hitchcock. Anthony Hopkins played the title role with a bit more finesse than Jones, I'd have to say. But even so, the filmmaker's flaws are still emphasized. He's depicted as someone with a roving eye and someone who's too controlling with his actresses. However, the movie deals primarily with how Hitchcock and his wife, portrayed by Helen Mirren, were able to get psycho-made despite almost insurmountable obstacles, including their own erratic relationship, uh, which I think really was the the main point of the movie. Uh, Helen Mirren stole the show as as Alma, um, Hitchcock's wife. She, I, before I saw that movie, I did not know how much she did um, in terms of helping Hitchcock with his movies. And uh, she got very, very little credit. Now, I admit that I usually check Roger Ebert's reviews to see what he thinks about a film. And, uh, of course, I did that uh, after I saw Hitchcock. And I have to agree with his comment about uh, Hopkins's Hitchcock uh, being an, an acceptable performance, but that, uh, but that the filmmaker comes across as an ignit. Enigma, I love that word, an enigma. (laughs) Who is the real Hitchcock, Roger writes. And then he answers his own question by saying, I interviewed him once and I haven't a clue. Still, he he called Hitchcock, quote, one of the most famous directors in movie history, not only because of his droll public image, 
but also because of the enduring appeal of so many of his films, which just happens to be a wonderful introduction to the last part of today's show, folks, because it's a taped section from our first Alfred Hitchcock tribute back in 2009. Here's film historian James Colt Harrison, entertainment journalist Diana Sanger, co-host Jazz Shaw, and multimedia journalist David Ordovis joining Nikki Starr and yours truly for a spirited discussion about Hitchcock's remarkable career and the reasons for his success. The first couple of minutes just might throw you off a bit because of the date and the intro that we were using at that particular time, but uh, be patient. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy uh, this tape, and then afterwards we'll, we'll be back live for some additional comments. So uh, here's more about Alfred Hitchcock. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. That's right, Dorothy. This is Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. I'm your host, Betty Jo Tucker, speaking to you from beautiful Pueblo, Colorado, on this 25th day of August, 2009. And what a great show we have for you today, dear listeners. That's why we have David Ordovis, a multimedia journalist from KOAA-TV, a local affiliate of NBC here in my so-called office, to help us pay tribute to iconic film director Alfred Hitchcock. And joining us in a few minutes will be two of our favorite guests, film critics James Colt Harrison and Diana Sanger, who are both knowledgeable and passionate about classic films. They recently served as panel members at Robert Osborne's Classic Film Festival. James is working on a book about Hollywood studios, and Diana is the creator and editor of Classic Movie Guide, a terrific website for movie buffs. But first, let's check with my loyal Movie Addict Headquarters partners, Nikki Starr and Jazz Shaw, to see if they're ready to help with the show. Nikki, is the chat room open for listeners who'd like to participate? It most certainly is, and we are ready to go. Great. We really appreciate our chatters, as well as all our other listeners. And thanks to you, Nikki, for being such a helpful chat wrangler, among other things, of course. And Jazz, have you been doing research on Alfred Hitchcock these past few days? Yeah, I had to go back and touch up on a few things, but it didn't require a lot for me. I'm one of the few people who has probably seen every one of Alfred Hitchcock's movies, including some of the real stinkers. <laughs> well, lucky, lucky you. Even with some, some of his stinkers are better than many other directors' films. Absolutely so true. I'm not going to feel sorry for you about about that one. And because David may not be able to stay through the entire show, I'd like to say hello to David Ordovis and thank him for being here today. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, David. Hello, Betty Joe. Thank you for having me here. We're very excited about it and eager to see uh, the filming on KOAA-TV, and I think Nikki will be sending out information to our mailing list about uh, where this can be viewed. So now we're turning to the subject 
of iconic film director Alfred Hitchcock, and there's so much to cover with this legendary filmmaker. Before his death in 1980, at the age of 91, he had made over 60 films, earned four Oscar nominations, and became known as the master of suspense. I think he truly deserves being inducted into our Screen Legends Hall of Fame. I love what the film encyclopedia said about Alfred Hitchcock. Quote, he's a supreme technician and stylist with an unmistakable imprint and a great visual artist. So now it's my great pleasure to bring in our two guests. Diana, welcome back to Movie Attic Headquarters. Thank you, Betty Jo. I'm very excited to be here today. I knew you would be because you love Alfred Hitchcock movies, and uh, I know you and I have talked about them a couple of times before on the show. And we're also happy that James could make it uh, in from La Jolla, right, James? <laughs> Are you eager to talk about Alfred Hitchcock? I'm always eager to talk about anybody in the movies. I know you are. <laughs> Definitely. Well, we'll have to have you in to talk about Rob Schneider. <laughs> How would that work? <laughs> Did I pick uh, the right a, He's a great actor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're all great actors to James, I think. <laughs> well, I'm I'm very, very eager to get started talking about uh, Alfred Hitchcock. But let's give Jazz the floor for the first question because he's seen all of Alfred Hitchcock's movies. Yeah, and we should probably start with Diana. We always do the ladies first thing. So, uh, Diana, aside from his tremendous good looks and obvious sex appeal, what do you think was the secret to uh, Hitchcock's success? <laughs> well, he was very good looking. I think he was different, and he knew what he wanted, and he was stubborn to a fault about getting that. And... Um, he never improvised or deviated from what he had planned. He was a meticulous planner about every film and every detail. And I think he adhered to those values over the years, and that's what put him where he was. I agree. Uh, James, uh, I, I've heard that a lot, that he was almost anal retentive in ways and, and could be a tyrant to work with at times because he would demand a lot out of the staff. But, but what, what do you think set him apart? Well, of course, he was a perfectionist, but I think what set him apart for me was that he had a great sense of humor. Despite the fact that he always did macabre films, there was always a little bit of humor in, in everyone, and uh, I think that uh, distinguished him from just doing a straight horror movie or a fright movie. And um, I always laughed at a lot of the things in his movies that were very, very subtle. Oh, I agree with you both, and... Uh, but I, I also think that he gave us, oh my gosh, rich, strange, mysterious movies that tapped into some of our deepest fears. None of us want to be wrongly accused of something dreadful. <laughs> so many of, of his <laughs> heroes and heroines uh, are facing facing that. And then the way his films looked, he, he was almost like a, a, a painter and a, a poet, the way he used form and symbols to create that exquisite suspense. Also, look at those seductive villains that he had in his movies. It, he made evil seem seductive, 
And I think that that showed us how, you know, a man may smile and smile and be a villain. I think they really illustrated Shakespeare's uh, term. Not but just seductive, Betty Jo, but, but as James was saying, is, could it not be argued that Hitchcock was kind of the originator of black comedy, of creepy comedy, of taking something that wasn't traditionally funny in the early days of movies and still making you laugh, albeit maybe a little uncomfortably, at, yeah. <laughs> at some things that wouldn't normally be thought of as funny. He could inject humor into some really dire places, couldn't he? Oh, exactly, Jazz. I agree with you there. Yes, and um, I'm, I'm going to, since David is still here and is an Alfred Hitchcock fan, um, David, what are your uh, top favorite Alfred Hitchcock films? If I had to pick, I would say that Psycho is my number one favorite film, but it's a very close, uh, in a very close second would be Rear Window. Uh, I love that one as well. I think you've made some, some great picks there. I can hardly wait to see what comes out as our, our top five, and you know, this is the, where I get in a lot of trouble because I'm not ambidextrous. And I'm going to try and put down <laughs> the names of the films as uh, Diana, James, and Jazz mention their picks, and then and then I'll try to count too. <laughs> so maybe David. <laughs> maybe David will help. Get me some gum, and maybe David can help here, <laughs> especially with the counting. So why don't we go with you, Diana? What are your top uh, top five Hitchcock films, and why? Well, I'm not sure they're in any particular order, but um, I really, really liked I Confess, 1953, with Montgomery Clift and Ann Baxter. You know, Hitchcock had this thing about mixing romance with film and it's with terror and fear in almost all his films, and you will find this theme over and over in most of them, and, and this happened in this one. It was about two, uh, a young couple who fell in love. He goes off to war. She gets married to someone else. He comes back and becomes a priest, and... Um, ends up hearing a confession of murder, and then because he won't reveal that confession, gets framed for the murder. But the, right. the wrong man again. <laughs> yeah, the wrong Yeah, man. the cinematic aspects of it were just incredible. Um, to Catch a Thief, although most of it is kind of cliche, again, it was if you learn about the making of that film, it was that that was fascinating and, and finding more, out more about Hitch's style and things that, that do go on behind the movies. Uh, but again, it's the same theme, you know, with um, Grace Kelly and Cary Grant and romance and fear and without the, the thief, of course. Notorious, um, you know, you can't say too much about that. Played perfectly by Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. Again, that mm. fear and romance factor. Um, Rear Window, what can you say more than Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly? Again, the romance, terror, or fear. And uh, Rebecca. This was his uh, 1940 film with Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine. The same thing. He marries this woman, drags her off to his mansion, and she has to try and uh, replace the memory of his dead former wife, and it's full of intrigue and suspense. Wow, those are great. I confess, To Catch a Thief, Notorious, Rear Window, and Rebecca, great choices. What about you, I kinda, James? I kind of stayed away oh, sorry. from the Jay one. <laughs> from, from what? I said, I kind of stayed away from the cliche ones, you know. You certainly so did. Yeah, the famous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but these are these are wonderful selections. And uh, James, do you have any of the same ones that Diana mentioned? Uh, I have a couple, but uh, you asked for five, and I came up with twelve. 
Oh, I'll no. Have, <laughs> we'll take the first five. <laughs> I'll have to pick uh, some of my favorites. Uh, one that wasn't mentioned was Rope, R-O-P-E, made in oh, 1948 yes. with Farley Granger and John Dahl, and Diana's boyfriend, James Stewart. And the, the distinguishing thing about this film uh, was two things. Uh, one, the leading men were in a gay relationship, w- which was unheard of in those days, in 1948. And uh, Hitchcock did long 10-minute takes on all the scenes, so there were no breaks or cuts uh, like in a regular movie. And it was difficult to light it because the sky was supposed to be changing outside the windows. But it was a great film because the dead man was stuffed into a chest in the living room, and they were having a party and putting the food oh, on top yeah. of the chest, which was which was a funny situation. Again, if you aren't in the trunk, <laughs> if you weren't in the trunk, yeah. <laughs> Then I liked Rebecca, of course, with uh, Joan Fontaine, Judith Anderson, and Cary Grant. And the thing that always struck me about Joan Fontaine, although she was a great actress, she always looked constipated with the expression on her face. Oh, no. (laughs) It worked (laughs) in Rebecca, though. (laughs) But Judith Anderson was terrific in that film. She was so evil, you just loved her. (laughs) And, again, Suspicion with uh, Cary Grant and Joan Fontaine was a good film. And one of my all-time favorites is Lifeboat with Tallulah Bankhead. Now, nobody was bigger in life than Tallulah Bankhead, who was a great stage star and made a few films, but not many. But she was always bigger than the material and bigger than the rest of the cast. And uh, it was all shot in a small lifeboat in a tank on the 20th Century Fox lot. And Tulu's in the lifeboat wearing a mink coat and diamonds. I I mean, how Hollywood can you get? (laughs) I love it. That was wonderful. (laughs) Then there was, uh, let's see, do I have one more? Uh, Spellbound with Gregory Peck and Ingrid Bergman. And the interesting thing about that film was that uh, Hitchcock got artist Salvador Dali to design the dream sequence sets and uh, sequences in that film, and it made it... uh, stand out, certainly, with his talent. Right, and that was one of the films that um, Alfred Hitchcock was nominated for, for Best Directing. Let's see, that was Spellbound, Lifeboat was another one, and Psycho and Rear Window, those were the four. So you have Rope. And and Rebecca, there was five, Betty Jo. Oh, Rebecca. Well, Rebecca Uh got the uh, Best Picture. Right. Uh, And Joan Fontaine, I think, won her Oscar for that one, didn't she? Suspicion, I think. Oh, Suspicion. Yeah, I think Suspicion. I do, too, but they're both similar in a way, but both great films. So you've got Rope and Rebecca and Suspicion and Lifeboat and Spellbound. How about you, Jazz? Are are you uh, on the bandwagon here with James and Diana, or do you have some others to pick? Well, James stole some of my thunder because out of, oh, uh, I mostly went for the, the cliché ones, as Diana wanted to put it, but my number one pick was Lifeboat, perhaps for slightly different reasons, although I love uh, love Tallulah in that. Oh, great. I thought Lifeboat was a very challenging film for audiences because given the time period that it was set in and it made the viewer question their feelings about the stereotypical Germans are always bad, and you have this German stuck in the lifeboat with these people that you relate to as being the good people. 
and how the story turns as it goes on, you know, yeah. are we actually the bad ones? And and it was a very challenging film. Uh, the rest of mine, not to take up the whole show, uh, number two on my list would have been The Birds. Stereotypical, I'm sure, but I still remember it as a child. They were already showing it in reruns on TV. Frightened the heck out of me. <laughs> and I still love The Birds to this day. Uh, I loved Vertigo. I also picked uh, Dial M for Murder. And I was was really kind of on the fence about the last one, but I decided to go with Frenzy. With Frenzy? Frenzy. Okay. So you have Lifeboat, The Birds, Vertigo, Dial M for Murder, and Frenzy. And those, uh, you do have some unusual choices there. And um, my choices are Vertigo, I have that on my in my top five, no matter when people ask me what are your top five films of all time, <laughs> Vertigo is always there, and maybe not at first place, but, but it's either second or third. I thought it was the most hauntingly beautiful film that I've ever seen, and it gave the James Stewart gave the the best depiction of obsession that's ever been on film, and I was so happy when Vertigo at least was nominated for art direction because the colors, the cinematography in that movie were just great, and as was the sound, and I could watch it over and over and over again. And then North by Northwest, another visual treat. I mean, the just dazzling scenes. Um, Cary Grant being strafed by that that plane. <laughs> that was just, that's a scene that, that you never forget. Never, and, never forget that. And the Mount Rushmore, you know, on the the scenes scenes on Mount Rushmore and the and the suspense that you had about what was going to happen there, and I do have uh, Strangers on a Train. I don't think anybody has picked Strangers on a Train, but I thought that uh, Robert Walker's performance of the villain in Strangers on a Train was was just something special. And that particular story has been done since then about the two people who meet and each one decides to do the do the murder of the other of the person that the other one wants to get rid of <laughs> and then one backs out. I just think it's a great scene. And then the scene where uh when one woman is being strangled, you see it you see what's happening in the lens of her glass, of her glasses that have fallen to the ground. What a visual trick that was. So Vertigo, North by Northwest, Rebecca, Strangers on a Train, and The Birds. So let me count. (laughs) Rebecca has one, two, three, top five picks. Uh, Vertigo has one, two. Oh, darn it, I want to cheat on that one. Okay, Vertigo (laughs) has two. (laughs) Rebecca, three. Lifeboat has two, and The Birds has Two. So, what do we have as number one? Rebecca, we have. (laughs) We have the movie that won the best uh, movie of the year that year, and that was Alfred Hitchcock's first movie, I believe, when he came from from Hollywood. So he certainly did himself uh, proud on that. I want to thank all the, the people who have sent me emails and the people who responded from Twitter and Facebook. I have never gotten so much response 
as I have with this Alfred Hitchcock tribute. It was so, a great subject, Betty Jo, and, you, and you've been drawing a crowd in the chat. As Nikki will tell you, AJ has shown up and has been putting in his comments in chat. You know. Well, so. wonderful, because <laughs> I was just going to mention the Mad Movie Man. He was sorry yes. that he couldn't be on the show, but he made it. That's good. But his picks, Rope for number one, Psych. Psycho for number two, and Shadow of a Doubt for number three. So hi, Mad Movie Man. We're so glad that you could make it. Now, so many people did uh, contact me that I'm going to um, do a little tally after the show of uh, what films came out as the top five, and I will put that on the website. So um, don't worry. We'll we'll have someone watching me count so that I'm I don't make Vertigo come out number one, but it's going to be pretty hard. <laughs> no, pretty hard. What a fun discussion that was, folks, and I did count up the votes after the show. Our panelists probably were disappointed when Rebecca didn't make it to the top five. Here are the winners. <laughs> number one, The Birds. Number two, Vertigo. Yay. Number three, Rear Window. Number four, Psycho. And number five, North by Northwest. I think that's, that's a pretty good top five for uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Well, our time is going by rapidly, but there's one more thing about Alfred Hitchcock that arouses my curiosity, and that's what was there in his background that made him so eager to frighten us was it something in his childhood? Perhaps. Listen to this opening paragraph from um, a book called Hitchcock, The First 44 Films by Eric Romer and Claude Chabrol. And then um, judge for yourself. I'm, I'm just going to, uh, to read uh, this short paragraph. Quote, Alfred was brought up rather strictly. His father was a strong believer in discipline and knew how to impose unusual and impressive punishments. For example, one day, Alfred decided on a brief escapade and indulged in his favorite pastime, which involved bus rides from one end of London to the other. Papa Hitchcock, who was a friend of the local police commissioner, staged a dramatic scene that ended with his prodigal son spending the night in jail, unquote. So, dear listeners, who knows what terrors this young boy imagined during that night, all alone in a dark cell. I think we have time now to check with Nikki Starr, to see <laughs> to see uh if she has any comments um and uh, to give us a report on the chat room Nikki you're on hi that was so great <laughs> to listen to the two again i just loved it wasn't it i mean uh yes. to, to get so many many different opinions on um Hitchcock and also on the on the various films now uh, i forgot the one that you that you liked the most because we didn't hear the entire show, which uh, was I believe an I hour. I can't remember either. It was probably the birds. Yeah. So, so the birds. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, that's a hard one to beat. That really uh -huh. is a hard one. Hard one to beat. And it it is interesting, isn't it, that um, uh, Tippy Hedren 
actually admitted to uh, oh. the terrors that she went through. Yes. Bless her heart was the real purpose. I don't know. But I think that movie just sticks. It's like such a classic scary movie. Whether I mean, birds aren't necessarily scary, but he made that so scary. <laughs> yes, as I said, that was a, a sort of unending terror and um my my son as i mentioned he's he's still that way the birds he just that. absolutely gets he gets creeped out about that mm-hmm. well now have you happened to see the the movie hitchcock where alfred uh, hitchcock is played by uh, anthony hopkins you you missed no, that I will. i'll watch it yeah i haven't seen it. i think I, take... I go ahead I was obviously going to say take a look at it and okay, um, and let let me know what uh, what you think. Okay. That one I think is worth seeing. I'm not so sure about the girl because I think that was so over you know just exaggerated to the point of um, being hard to believe. But the mm-hmm. performances were were interesting. Sienna Miller was excellent as Tippy Hedren. And it's just that Toby Jones was a little bit too creepy, but you might uh-huh. take a look at you might take a look at that too and and see what you think. Alfred Hitchcock is as um, as uh, Roger Ebert called it an enigma, yes. because he has so much of this um, information going around now about being a sexual predator and being an abusive to actors that um it makes it makes you wonder but no one is uh saying that he wasn't a genius no. in fact movie maker magazine called him the most influential filmmaker of all time and britain's daily uh, telegraph which that's that's where hitchcock is from uh uh-huh. england and and this is a quote from them they said hitchcock did more than any other director to shape modern cinema and of course, I I believe that. And um, he may not be my favorite person, but he's still my favorite director. Those movies that he made, they with their twist endings and their thrilling plots filled with violence and murder and crime, and the way he does it, uh, it, it just captivates viewers. And then when you add suspenseful psychological and visual elements as well as the stylistic presentation, and he's got the mistaken identity, the characters wrongfully accused, well, the wow factor definitely kicks in anytime you're viewing a Hitchcock film. He knew how to entertain us, didn't he? <laughs> he certainly did. And he never got a style. He worked mm-hmm. hard at it. He worked hard at it. He's, he was truly a master of suspense. Well, I'm so glad that you could be be with me today when when we could revisit some of our uh, Alfred Hitchcock uh, lore. But but our time is about up. So that's all for now, folks. This is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support and to Dickie Starr for everything she does to make hosting this show such a treat. Thanks also to Tippi Hedren, James Cold Harrison, Diana Sanger, David Ortovis, and Jazz Shaw for their excellent contributions, as well as to our chatters and other listeners for tuning in. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. Please come back next time for another lively discussion about movies. And in the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. Now, because we've been spotlighting the master of suspense, 
I think we should close the show with some suspenseful background music. So I'm looking on the switchboard now to see if we have something that might be appropriate for Alfred Hitchcock, and I think I'm almost there. Here it is. Let's go out with some scary, suspenseful music. <laughs> 